Thank you, Rosie. Let's pray, shall we? Do get that open as we look tonight at this theme of I believe in God the Father. Father God, we thank you that we come to you tonight through your Son, and we thank you for the word that you've given us through him and through your Spirit, and may we have hearts to receive your word and to be given life as we hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? That question of the stepmother from Snow White and the Seven Dwarves may seem a slightly strange place to start a sermon about God being our father. But doesn't her question show something about her that she is not happy just to have a, her own opinion of her beauty. She needs something outside herself, in this case the mirror, to help her to define herself, to know who she is. And here's the link. The Bible says that we only discover who we are, we learn to define ourselves, only through a relationship with God as our Father our theme tonight. That's how we know who we are, because we know who he is, and he defines us. Now, last time we, we heard that these things called the creeds uh, are, are ancient statements of faith going back through those who first put them together to the Bible itself, to the New Testament writings, the apostles, the followers of Jesus. We heard that Saying, I believe, that was last week's topic, just the first two words of what we call the creed, I believe, is reminding us that a Christian's very much more than someone who has warm feelings about God. It's someone who says, I sign up. That's me. I'm, I'm convinced about this. I sign up to those convictions about God as Father, Son, and Spirit that the creeds talk about. And that word creed just means I believe uh, in the original language. And we continue tonight with just the next phrase, I believe in God the Father, God the Father. And you see there, right away, the creed is telling us that God in Christian faith has a name. It's actually a unique name in Christian faith, Father. For us, for Christians, God is not the God of other religions, who is, is great, is above us, is mighty, but not Father. He's not the God of the ancient pagan religions either that were around in the time of Jesus in the Roman world who were erratic. There was kind of big families of gods they believed in, male and female, and you never quite knew where you stood with them. Uh, one day they'd be nice to you, the next day they might change their, their minds and stab you in the back. So the, the kind of world of the gods was a bit like an EastEnders plot line. That's not the God of Christianity, our Father. God is the Father. Before we look at the um, abundant good news in that name, there are a couple of caveats, aren't there? Here's the obvious first one, Father. Many human fathers, uh, if we can put it this way, don't give God the credit that he deserves for that name, Father, um, because human fathers are fallible. Uh, many of us will have or will have had wonderful, caring, generous um, open-hearted fathers, although will have been fallible, uh, myself included as a father, 
Uh, some will have been you know, pretty much unknown, perhaps, to us, or distant from us, or even will have hurt us. So that's a problem, isn't it, that word father for us? Second problem, fathers are male. And we therefore question, well, if God is being called father in Christianity, does that mean God is male? And therefore, half of the room, half of the human race, are immediately, somehow, less made in God's image because they're female and God is male. Well, why does Jesus use this word father if it creates these questions for us? He uses it because, in his wisdom, first of all, it is an incredibly powerful way to tell us something of what God is like. We are stuck with words here. The, the father, God as a father, it's what we call an analogy, isn't it? So it's, it's like saying God is like a shepherd. He is. He's like a shepherd. No, he's not a shepherd. God doesn't carry a staff around and actually physically have sheep that he shears every summer. He's like a shepherd. God is a father, so he's, he's like a human father, but it's just an analogy in that sense. He's not male. He doesn't have a body or parts like we do. God's without parts uh, and gender. He's not fallible like human fathers always are. But it's still a good analogy. He's a father who gives life to his children. He's a father who cares for his children. All the good things about human fathers. And actually, when Jesus says God is, God is father, he addresses God as father himself. My father is working to this day. It is more than an analogy. It's not just like saying he's like a shepherd. He is saying something about God that he really is. God is father. More than God is like a shepherd. And we'll see why I say that and how that's good news as we look at this tonight. He's not just like a father. He really is a father God. So what do we mean when we say, I believe in God the Father? Here's the first. We've got three things we're going to say tonight. Uh, and the first one is this. From tonight's passage, let's dig into that now in John 5, that the Son shows us the Father. We only know God is Father because the Son has shown us that God is Father. We wouldn't have known were it not for the Gospels, for Jesus, the Son. Atheism, you see, says um, there's no God, there's no evidence, uh, he should have proved himself. Agnostics, if you don't know what agnostic means, someone that's kind of not really sure, says, well, I can see that the world maybe points to a creator, and the sense of right and wrong that we all have suggests there might be a God. Christianity says, never mind all that, look at Jesus. Look at the Son, and you will see the Father. He is how we know what God is like. The Son reveals the Father. So see what he says uh, in our passage. Jesus is beginning to really irritate his enemies here. He's healed on the Sabbath, the day of rest. They didn't like that. But then he said, my Father's working to this day, including on the Sabbath, and I too am working. And the Jewish leaders, the enemies, know exactly what he means by that. He is, as they say, making himself, verse 18, equal with God. See that there? They're absolutely right, in a sense, about that. To claim to be working like the Father is working, that's a claim to be divine. 
But he also here is beginning to define God in a way that they would not have yet understood. He's not saying there's the Father God and then there's the me God, the Son God. He's saying, I am the Father of one. We're not two gods or three gods, we're one God. This, in Jesus' teachings, one of the first hints, it's a very clear one, of what we as Christians call the Trinity. Triunity, three gods in one. Not three gods, one God, three persons in one God. Now, again, I'm, we're conscious we're here, we're using words, aren't we, like Trinity, that Christians, uh, some very, very intelligent and very godly Christians down the centuries have struggled to really grasp and explain. But this belief in the Trinity, God, Father, Son, and Spirit, one God, which shapes the shape of the creed, goes right back to the Bible. And the roots are in places like John chapter 5, our verses tonight. The belief that God is one in nature, one in essence, not three gods, one God, undivided. And yet, he's shown himself through Jesus' words here to be Father and Son, and later we'll find and Spirit. Three persons, as people technically call this, three persons, but one God. People talk about how you can distinguish the Father, Son, and Spirit. That's, that's a kind of a, a bit of a digression, I think. But the Father is, the, is always the originator. He, he actually originates the Son. He gives life to the Son, Jesus says later. The Son receives life from the Father. The Spirit is sent from and through both of them. But one God. So we've got to be careful with some of the images of the, of the Trinity. Um, you may have heard of things like ice, water, and steam. The three kind of modes of water. That's not very helpful, that picture, by the way. Don't go there. People think, talk about the Trinity almost like a kind of a, a company management. You know, you've got the kind of um, the worker, the spirit. You've got the, the deputy, the son. You've got the boss, the real boss, the father. Not very helpful because it does imply that the father's somehow more divine, doesn't it, than, than the others. He's the real one. Or the idea that these ideas of three persons are just um, an illusion. God is one, really. He just appears as, as different, you know, the Father, Son, the Spirit at different moments. Rather like the, the kind of man that is a very strict dad at home one day, um, a slightly careless goalie at football on Saturday, and is Father Christmas in the school play at Christmas. It's the same man, actually, underneath. It's just three different masks he puts on. That's not very helpful either. Why does this matter? Well, because Jesus reveals here, if you're back in verse 18, that with the Spirit, we need to add, he and the Father are one eternal being. The life of God is the life of Father, Spirit, and Son together as one. We know the Father, back to tonight's theme, because we know the Son. He reveals, he shows us the Father. And that matters. Don't know if you come across like slightly sad celebrity announcements when, when a, a, a famous couple break up, sadly, and the kind of public line is always, um, they remain best of friends. That's what you read on social media. But you actually suspect, and you may even have heard from other news previously, that that breakup follows months of bitter, bitter argument and anger. So it's a public front, isn't it? And the private story is different. God is not like that. Because Jesus, he'll say later, if you see the Son, 
you see the Father. There's no private God hiding behind the public face of Jesus the Son. To know the Son is to know the Father because the Son shows us fully the Father. All the Father's in the Son, all the Son's in the Father. So that is good news, isn't it? I'm sure someone here, you and I, we, we sometimes fear, don't we, that although we know Jesus loves us, that he died for us, something deep inside lurks saying, but, but one day you've got to face up to the Father, and he'll be different, he'll be strict. Jesus says, no, if you know the Son, you know the Father. The love of the Son is the love of the Father. The life of the Son is the life of the Father. That's really, really good news, isn't it? No surprises with God. So the Father is shown to us by the Son. But then we get to the heart of it. The Father loves the Son. This is where it gets really good news, gospel news for us. God could have existed, you see, in eternity with no relationships of any kind, like a kind of supercomputer God who's just kind of idly calculating fate for the whole universe all the time. And we're just wrapped up in that somewhere, a machine. But Jesus says, God's not like that. From eternity, says Jesus, verse 20, the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Isn't that wonderful? In the very heart of what God is, of who God is, is love, is relationship. The Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. John, who's one of the most helpful writers, if you want to think about God as Father and and the Trinity, in his letter, his first letter, says God is love. Love is at the heart of the being of God. Father and Son have lived, existed from eternity in love for each other. Extraordinary, beautiful picture, isn't it? Someone said that the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, in in love for each other, within one God, is how God chose to be. The Trinity is how God chose to be. He could have been a computer God, but he's not. He's a relational God of love. So verse 26, we're just like, I know, jumping around the passage tonight because we're on this sort of topical thing. Jesus says in verse 26, as the Father has life in himself, because God is life, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. It's another way of saying the same thing. The Father's love the Son and shows him what he does, The Father has life in himself, and he has shared that life with the Son. There's nothing about the Son that's that's not the same God as the Father. There's nothing in the Father that's not also in the Son. Love and life. Why does that matter? Well, maybe someone here, you and I need to hear the challenge here. Because you might say to me, Richard, you know, I, I do believe in God, but but that kind of Jesus thing, that's not really for me. I know God's there and he looks after me, but, but I'm not really someone interested in, in Christ, in Jesus. Um, people talk about God as our father, and they say, but, but Jesus, he's kind of more like, a, he's like a, a brother to us, isn't he? He's, he's just a human being, a, a great moral teacher. They call that, by the way, that's Unitarianism, technical word for it. But Jesus won't have that here, will he? Jesus shares the life of the Father. He's in no way inferior to the Father. Okay, he receives from the Father, but he's equal with. 
He shares the love of the Father, the life of the Father. And if you are thinking, I, I love that to be true, but I still don't believe it, why not read John's Gospel this week? It's an incredible book. I've actually got a couple of these rather nice little editions called Uncover, uh, John's Gospels, and those are for anyone free of charge tonight. If you haven't got a, a Bible or Gospel at home and would love to go and read this, just take it. Or if you've got someone you can give it to this week that you're confident would want to read and discover the love of the Father for the Son. What a great, isn't that a wonderful message? Don't you think? The Father loves the Son. Maybe you've got friends who don't believe in God. And the reason they say is because, well, you know, God's, he's too kind of cold, he doesn't care about the world, he's detached. And again, wouldn't we love to be able to show them this God, the real God? And to say, no, 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 God is a God of love through and through. Even within God there's love. Never mind the love that's poured out to us through him, which we'll come on to. Let's pray that we can show people the real God, not the one they don't believe in. And maybe you're a slightly isolated Christian. And maybe it's your temperament, maybe it's just you've ended up that way, but... The Bible says we're made in God's image. We've just seen that God within himself is a God of love. Father for son, son for father in the spirit. Doesn't that mean that we therefore, if we're made in his image, are also made for a relationship with him, but also with each other? I'm called, aren't I, if I'm a Christian, to love you with the same love that the, love has for the, the father has for the son. Is that extraordinary and challenging? But that's the call, to love as he loves. Maybe someone here tonight, he's just prompting you to have a conversation with someone that you've been estranged from or someone that, that's broken a relationship with you or to ask for prayer tonight about your relationships with others, perhaps to join a small group, to be open to, to be in, in love with other believers in Christ. The Father loves the Son. We are to love too. Lastly, he not only loves the son, here it gets even better news. He loves his children. The father loves us. Some Christians say that God created the universe in order to have someone he could love because he was kind of lonely. You can imagine a sort of lonely hearts ad going, uh, lonely God seeks partner for long-term relationship must have moral values and good sense of humor. As we've seen, the Bible says to that idea, wrong. God is entirely satisfied in himself. The Father loves the Son. The Spirit loves the Father. He has, in that sense, no need of us. No need of a universe. He's complete in his love. As a Puritan writer called Richard Sibbs, who uh, is a wonderful preacher, always about Christ, always about grace and love, um, and he puts it this way, rather nicely. He was called the honeymouth preacher. If God had not a communicative spreading goodness, he would never have created the world. The Father, Son, and Spirit were happy in themselves and enjoyed one another before the world was. But that God delights to communicate and spread his goodness, there would never have been a creation or a redemption. God uses his creatures not for lack of power, that he cannot live without them, 
but for the spreading of his goodness. He has made us and he loves us so that his love, his goodness, which is super abundant, can spread to us too. And we can learn to reciprocate it. So how's that in our reading? Well, have a look now. Down at verse 21, Jesus says, Just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to those he pleases. He gives life to us. The life of God spills over in his goodness to us. The love of God spills over to us. And you see, we needed that because we were dead, weren't we, without Christ? If you're not a Christian here tonight, the Bible says, Jesus says, you and I are dead until God finds us and gives us life. You know, if, if, you, take, if you pick a flower and put it on the side in the kitchen, uh, over hours, days, the petals start to fall off, and they drop, don't they, because they've lost contact with the life source. We're like that without Christ. We're dead. And then Jesus says, the Father gives life to those that please. The Son gives life to those that pleases. Why? How? Because he is the source of life. God is life. Connect to him, you connect to life. And back in chapter 1, John 1, 12, John uses the image there of new birth. He says, whoever believes in Jesus' name, this is actually at the head of your service sheet if you want to take this home tonight. Whoever believed in Jesus' name, he gave the right to them to become children of God. That's a new birth picture, isn't it? New life. I wasn't, and then he gave me new birth, and I am, I live. Children of God, born not of natural descent or a husband's will, but born of God, born of the very life of God that we receive through the love of Christ. Paul calls that in Romans 8, verse 29, uh, the, the image of adoption, that we weren't God's children, but now we are God's children. He says, those that God foreknew, he also predestined to be adopted to be conformed to the image of his son. That he, Jesus, what a thought, might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. What a thought. Now we are brothers of Christ and sisters of Christ because he has adopted us, the father, into his family. Again, this is incredibly, incredibly good news, isn't it? It it speaks of how the love of Christ just can't be contained within even the the love of the Trinity. It spills over to us. And it speaks of how as Father, we're now invited, privileged to come to him. So Jesus, when he says to us, this is how you pray. Do you remember how he says he starts the Lord's Prayer? First two words, our Father. That's how Jesus teaches his followers to think of God, to approach God. Before we were were far off, we were servants, we were enemies, now we're children. So he says, when you talk to God, say our Father. That's Matthew 6 verse 9. And then in Luke 11, again speaking of, of the desires we have, the prayers we bring to God, he says, look, Think of God like this. Which of you as fathers, if your son asks for an egg, gives them a scorpion? Or if they ask for a fish, gives them a snake? He says, if you human beings, you human fathers, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? 
The Father's adopted us as his children. We share in the love of the Father and the Son from eternity as his children. What an extraordinary thought. So perhaps you're a follower of Christ, but you're bruised by difficult things, difficult relationships. And perhaps you wonder if God truly loves you. Well, know if that's you, that in Christ, you and I have a heavenly father. Our human fathers are fallible. But whoever we've known as human father, we in Christ have a heavenly father who is perfect and eternal. Maybe you're someone that's just eager to keep growing in your faith. You've become a Christian a few months ago and you just want to keep on knowing God better. Well, let this truth delight your spirit tonight. That the Father's love for the Son has been poured out into your heart as well. He loves you as he loves the Son. In the Son, we are learning to love the Father as the Son loves the Father. Beautiful, extraordinary truths in the heart of God. He's adopted you by his Spirit into his family. He's made you a child of his. You share in the relationship with the Father that the Son has. The life he's given the Son He's given you. Last thought. Maybe someone here, your faith is dry. Seems sometimes your prayers bounce off the ceiling. Nothing happens. No one hears you. Perhaps sins, temptations are plaguing, overwhelming you, and you can't feel set free. Well, Jesus says, keep asking the Father. He loves to answer your prayers. He's not reluctant. He won't give you a scorpion if you ask for an egg. So if you ask for freedom from sin or strength of character or purpose to keep following him, he's not going to say no. He'll give you his Holy Spirit. Like that stepmother encountering the mirror at the beginning of this sermon tonight, when we encounter the Father, we enter a relationship with someone that actually is going to define us, but in a wonderful way. Because to know the Father means that I am now defined as a redeemed sinner. As a much-loved recipient of new life. As an adopted child of God himself. It is true that this experience of God as Father is a wonderful, wonderful thing, isn't it? An extraordinary privilege that we delight in the love of the Father. And yet, of course, one day, the Bible says, Paul says, one day, we won't just wonder at the love of the Father for the Son, we will be overwhelmed by it when we see it face to face in eternity. As Paul says, now we see the Father in a mirror, but darkly. Then, though, we'll see face to face. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that you call us to come to you as we are in your Son, the Lord Jesus. Thank you that as we believe in him, we are made children of God. We pray that we may know your love more and more deeply and richly 
that we may share in the love that you have, Father, Son, and Spirit, that we may honor you as the great Father whose life you've shared with us and whose will we long to fulfill in our lives. May we more and more richly delight to know that your love has overflowed to us. And may we pray and speak to others of the love of God that has poured into this world in his Son. In his name we pray. Amen.